Matthew 28. Matthew 28 and verse number 19. Well-known scripture. And for the scholars in the room who think that they know where we're going with this text, let me help you so that you don't wreck your brain. We're not going in that direction. <laughs> we're going in a different direction today. Amen. Hallelujah. But it is a well-known text. I want to focus on a part of the text that we normally do not focus on. Amen. And that it's going to be my launching pad to what we're going to talk about today. I feel a little teachy. Can I teach a little bit today? Amen. Hallelujah. Matthew 28 and 19. I read today in the name of the Father, the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. I want to read it one more time. Go ye therefore and teach all nations. That's what we usually focus on right there. But I want to focus on this part right here. Baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. How many of you in this place know you serve a triune God? He's the God who is three in one and one in three. I want to talk about God for a little while. Is that all right? Let's go to the Lord in prayer. I want to talk to you under the subject, divinely connected. Divinely connected. Let's pray. Father, in Jesus' name, we come before you. We worship you and glorify your name. Add blessing to your word now and bless your people. We thank you in advance for what you're going to do. Open the eyes of our understanding that we may walk, hallelujah, in a greater knowledge of who you are. Give us the spirit of wisdom and revelation. And we thank you for it now in Jesus' name. And the church said amen. And amen. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. How many of you in this place are familiar with the word the Trinity? Familiar with the word. Now, while you're familiar with the word, that does not mean that you know what it means. And I want to submit to you that if someone came to you and asked you, someone who knows that you are a churchgoer came to you and asked you about your Trinitarian God, the God who is triune, triunity, three in one, would you be able to answer them adequately concerning who God is? Amen? If somebody came up to you and says, I don't understand one in three, three in one, it kind of sounds like a contradiction to me. It, it, it really uh, doesn't make sense. And, and, and to your reply, you reply by saying something like, yeah, I know, it's a mystery. And, uh, you know, sometimes it's just better not even to pry in, leave it what it is. It's a mystery. Would that be an adequate answer to give somebody? Let me ask you another question. If you are created in the image and in the likeness of God, wouldn't it be important for you to know something about God so that you can find out a little more about you? Are you hearing what I'm saying in this place? Hallelujah. But sometimes we answer these kind of questions with like, you know what, it's too technical. You, you got to kind of be a theologian to really explain it and understand it. But I'm going to do my best today to make it very plain for you. Is that all right? Some people might even say, you know what, I think it's irrelevant. That's not even what's the most important. Because, you know, what, what practical difference would that make in my life? How can I apply the Trinity to my life? Can we teach a little bit? Because here's what I'm starting to notice as I study this subject. I'm beginning to realize that this is a very main important reason why many of us cannot keep together, hold together 
things that are precious to us. Things like friendships, things like marriages. Let me take it a step further. Things like churches. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Love, service. Come on, somebody. Are you in this place, church? Identity. And it's due to a lack of understanding concerning God. My people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge. The word Trinity, you're not going to find it in your Bible. Not the literal word. Even though the implication is there throughout the scriptures. Oftentimes, it is so evident, hallelujah, that it's right there front and center. But we have a tendency, even through like the text that I just mentioned, to put it in the background. And we'll concentrate on uh, the mission statement or the Great Commission, meaning that Jesus is telling his disciples to make more disciples. But we don't focus on the part that says baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. In other words, let them know what they're being baptized into. That they're being baptized, watch this, into a royal family that is complete. That they're being baptized into, watch this, the community of God, which is unique and it is complete. Amen, somebody. How many of you are familiar with a show? I know most of you know this show, uh, Friends. The show Friends. Uh, just in case you didn't know, uh, the show ran for 10 consecutive years. They ran about 232 episodes, and it became so popular. I'm going somewhere. It became so popular that they got to the place where the six main cast members were bringing in $1 million a show. That's a lot of money. Even the baby heard that. One, $1 million a show. And part of the reason for its popularity lies in the name of the show. They wanted to call the show originally, watch this, Friends Like Us. But the genius of the producers said, let's not call it Friends Like Us. Because if we just limit them to six people, then other people will not be able to join into the fellowship. So if we just call the show Friends, everybody who loves and watches the show knows that they couldn't wait to get there because they, they almost felt like they were part of the friendship. That's part of the reason it became popular. And I said that to simply say this, that when you come into the body of Christ, you are coming into a fellowship of God. You are coming into a community of God where God says, watch this, we are inviting you to come into this royal family and be part of this community. Are you in this place, church? Now let's get into this a little bit. Hallelujah. Watch this. There was a teacher of the law that comes to Jesus on one occasion and he says this to Jesus. What is the greatest commandment? What is the greatest commandment? Now there's only two possible reasons why this guy is asking the question. He's a teacher of the law. He either wants to test Jesus to see how much Jesus knows, amen? Or he genuinely wants to know which one is the most important because they came up with at least 613. And so he's probably thinking out of 613, I would like to know which one you think is the greatest. But watch this, Jesus is getting ready to tell him by quoting an Old Testament scripture in Deuteronomy 6. So this is why I believe he was testing Jesus because they should know what Deuteronomy 6 says if you're a teacher of the law. Are you with me so far? And so Jesus is getting ready to tell him. But before Jesus decides to give him the greatest command, he first gives him a great truth. 
I love Jesus. Watch this. And so Jesus says, okay, I'm about to give you the command, but first let me give you this truth. And here it is. Hear ye, O Israel, the Lord your God, the Lord is one. Now remember, I just told you a moment ago that he's Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. But even though he is three persons, he is still one God. Are you in this place? That's why the text that we just read didn't say, watch this, baptize them in the names. It said baptize them in the name. Singular. Father, Son, Holy Ghost. Father, Son, Holy Ghost are not names. They're persons. One name, three persons. One God, three persons. Three persons, one God. If you're with me, shout glory. Hallelujah. Jesus. So watch this. Jesus tells them first the command. I mean, first, uh, first he gives them, uh, hallelujah, the truth. Thank you. Somebody's listening. First he gives them the truth. Then he gives them the command. Amen. And basically what he's trying to teach is simply this. Watch this. Your discipleship is supposed to follow your theology. Can I teach a little bit? Your discipleship is supposed to follow your theology. Your disciple is talking about your learning. Who you follow. Are you hearing what I'm saying? It's supposed to follow your theology. Theology is talking about knowing. You can't, watch this. You're not supposed to follow what you don't know. You're, you're supposed to know and then you follow. Are you in this place? You follow what you know. Now watch this. The reason Jesus says the Lord your God is one is that he's trying to teach them that your God, even though he's triune, he is perfect in unity. He's saying your God is complete. And now that you understand that your God is complete, you have to give him your complete devotion. This is why he says, watch this, the Lord your God is one. Now that you understand that, this is how you're supposed to devote yourself to him. Love the Lord your God. Here's the greatest commandment. With all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul, and with all your strength. Because your God is complete. He requires your complete devotion. In other words, hallelujah, you can't just give him part of you. We're not talking about, watch this, and again, Jesus says he's one because he wants you to know that it's not three gods. Oh boy. It's not three entities. It's one God, three persons. This is why you're going to find several places in the Bible where the Bible says that he is one. One of my favorite is in Isaiah 45 where he says, watch this, I alone am God and beside me. There is no other. Are you following what I'm saying? What he, oh, God. What he's saying is you cannot compartmentalize me. Are you hearing me, church? You cannot compartmentalize me. I am unique and I am complete. I'm not talking about polytheism, which is the belief in many gods. Don't get it twisted because this is where the Muslim will say, I don't understand. You serve three gods? No, 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 no. One God, three persons. Are you following? Not polytheism, monotheism, exclusive, one. Are you in this place, church? One God, hallelujah. Watch this, I'm, I'm reminded of an episode of, of The Simpsons when Homer Simpson, Homer Simpson thinks he's going to die. And as he's getting ready to die, he starts calling on every God possible. He said, uh, 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 Buddha, uh, Allah, Mohammed, Jesus, because he figured if I get all of them, I have a better chance. Because I didn't miss any. And there are people who believe like that. 
even in the scriptures, when Jonah is caught up in that storm on the boat, watch this, they come and find him at the bottom of the boat and they say, call on your God. Because we don't call on all hours and the storm still hasn't gone away. Make sure you call on yours because we don't want to miss them. And Jonah, in essence, and I'm paraphrasing, said that ain't going to work. Because this is happening because of my God. The one true living God. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Somebody shout, one God. Three persons. Three persons. One God. I'll give him praise in here. Watch this, because he's complete, your devotion has to be complete. Amen? You have to give him all you are and all you have. Okay, we don't like that last part right there. Watch this. If you are working two jobs, anybody ever been there? If you are working two jobs and you're working two part-time jobs, because you have two jobs, you can't give the one everything. You have to save a little bit of strength. You got to save a little mind for the other job. Are you hearing what I'm saying? But when it comes to your devotion toward God, you can't serve two masters. Are you, my completeness, hallelujah, excludes all other contenders. Are you in this place, church? Ooh, God's completeness means he deserves everything and you cannot compartmentalize God. So watch this. You can't say he can have my Sunday, but he can't have my Mondays. Oh, wow. It's quiet over there. Let me try this side over here. You can't say, watch this. Hallelujah. He can't have my son. Listen, he can have my Sunday, but he can't have my Wednesday. He can have my Sunday, but he definitely can't have my Friday and my Saturdays because that's when I do me. That's my day. No, 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 no. This is the day, every day, that the Lord has made. And I will, hey, rejoice and be glad in it. Come on, somebody. Woo. My God, some of us, you know, we go as far as saying, you know what? He can have my church life, but he can't have my social life. He can have my work, but he can't have my wallet. I'm losing them, God. He can have my industry, but he can't have my fantasy. I knew, I knew that one was going to do it right there. You cannot serve two masters. How many of you are going to watch the game today? Don't act cute in church. You know you're going to watch the game. Watch this. <laughs> Some of you, your house is going to be the place where everybody's coming to watch the game. Am I right about it? Watch this, but some of you in here, and don't act cute in the presence of the Lord. Some of you in here, watch this, uh, didn't have time to tidy up the whole house. I'm going somewhere. And so from the time we leave church today to the time you go to that supermarket and get those last minute things you want to get, right? Before the big game, you would not have enough time to tidy up the whole place. So everything has to go to one place. See, y'all looking at me funny. Everything has to go to one place. Usually that place is the spare room. And if you don't have a spare room, it's the bedroom. Come on, somebody. Watch this. You would have probably accumulated a week's worth of stuff around the house. But because people are coming, everything's got to go somewhere. Because watch this, in order to tidy up the house correctly, 
it will require a lot of time and it will require a system, come on somebody, of organization in order for you to do it properly. But today, ain't nobody got time for that. So everything's gonna go to the one room and you're gonna put it in that room, you're gonna lock the room, you're gonna close that room, you might even take yellow caution tape and put it there just to let your, your guests know, watch this, every area in the house is open to you except this one. And it'll work with your guests. And because you think it works with your guests, it'll work with God. But that will not work with God. Because, you, because your God is so complete, you can't shun him off to the side like that. He's going to go in that room and he's going to get in your stuff. And it don't matter if you try to hide it and lock the door. Hallelujah. He goes through doors. Last time I checked. So you can't, you can't say, God, I leave these areas of my life open to you, but not these. You can come into these areas of my life, but you can't come into this one. And God says, nah, that's not the way it works because I'm a complete God. And if you're going to follow me, you need to understand that it's all or it's nothing. Y'all ain't saying nothing. It's all or it's nothing. Ooh, don't brush me off. You can't, listen, you, all your heart, listen, all your soul, all your mind, all your strength. You can't just give me some of your heart. And then give me a piece of your mind. I don't know about you, but I want him in every area of my life. Because watch this, there isn't no corner of my heart and there isn't no corner in my mind where the presence of God will not be a blessing to my life. And so I'm not even going to try to compartmentalize him, take over. You got to mean that when you sing, I give myself away. You know, we sing it real good, I give myself away. Do you know what you're saying? Amen. If some of the preachers of old were here, you couldn't handle them. You couldn't handle some. If we call James out of that cloud of witnesses right now and ask him to preach, you couldn't handle him. James is the one who in his book, watch this, told the church, stop being double-minded. Stop professing that you believe in one God and then reflect something different with your life. Ooh. This same James, watch this in James 2 and 19, told the church, watch this, you believe in one God? Good. Even the demons believe. And they shudder. And what he's getting at is simply this, that it's amazing how the demons have a more consistent theology than some Christians. Because their belief is evident because they tremble. I know they believe, watch this, because they tremble. But where's your reverence? Where's your evidence? Oh, God. Help me, Jesus. I'm losing them now for real. Are you blessed in here, church? Let's talk about it a little more. 
Somebody shout one God. Three persons. Suppose your neighbor who lives across the street invites you over to their house for supper. And you go to the house to eat. Now, they're, they're not from the same background as you. So you understand that you're going to go eat a cuisine from another culture. Amen? And let's just say that you're eating it and you're really enjoying it. And it's good. And then halfway through your plate, they let you know that that meal you're eating was dedicated to their God, which is not your God. What do you do? Do you keep eating quietly with your fingers crossed? Do you, do you spit the food out immediately and go, ah, oh, blasphemy? <laughs> and offend them in the process? Or do you continue to eat calmly and even ask for a second serving? What do you do? Let's find out what the Apostle Paul would do. Amen? 1 Corinthians chapter 8 and verse number 4. 1 Corinthians chapter 8 and verse number 4. If you're doing it right, shout glory in here. Listen to what it says, church. <clears throat> As concerning, therefore, the eating of those things that are offered in sacrifice unto idols, we know, come on somebody, we the church are supposed to know, we know that an idol is what? Is nothing in the world. Watch this. And that there is none other God but but one. Ooh, are you hearing what I'm saying in here? And so Paul is saying, listen, you don't need to stress out over that. Because their God don't exist. Oh God, help me in here. It only exists in their mind. Because they worship that God. But to us, we know that the Lord God is one. Therefore, any other God is an idol and is nothing. So, you know, I'm... Mm, mm, mm. Can I get another plate? Are you hearing what? Because I know. Now, that doesn't mean that there's nothing there. There are demons behind those idols. But here's what you need to catch. Demons are not deities. Oh, boy. Let me try. I said demons are not deities. Demons are not creators. You cannot put them on the same pedestal with God. He's the creator of everything. Oh, God, help me in here. Hallelujah. My God, in Psalm 96, somewhere around verse 4 and 5, he said, watch this. All the gods of all nations are idols, but God made the heavens. I'm the only one that created Demons are not deities. Are you hearing what I'm saying? The Lord God is one. And what you need to understand is that there is one God for all. See, when Paul started extending his ministry to the Gentiles, he knew he was going to get resistance from the Jews. And so the Jews came up to him as to say, uh, they don't serve the same God we do. And Paul said, uh, how can that even be if there's only one God? They don't have a different God. So the God of the Gentiles 
is the God of the Jews. There is only one. Are you with me so far in this place? Ooh. You'll find that in Romans 3, 29 and 30. These three persons of God happen within the framework, the framework of his unity and his completeness. In other words, you ready? Can I go a little deeper? You cannot have one without the other. I'm about to mess you up. I'm going to mess up somebody's theology. I said you cannot have one without the other. They are so closely knit in unity that you cannot have one without the other. They are distinct from one another, but they remain united. Ooh, God help me in here. In other words, watch this now. You cannot, it's amazing to me, you cannot have a fallout with Jesus and expect that you can still have the Father and be okay. Uh-oh. Are you in this place? Mm. Let me try to make you understand that a little bit. I said I was going to make it plain. How many of you remember being young, a child? Or do I have at least a mama, who's a, who's a, a mama who has a child? And I guarantee you, your child does this. Amen? Watch this. I remember being small, and my child does this too. And if I wanted a treat, I always wanted treats. If I wanted a treat, watch this, I will go to my mom first. And if my mom said no, you know what I'd do? I'd hurry up and go to my dad before him and mom have a meeting and come into some kind of agreement concerning that treat. And I will go to dad and dad will give me the treat. Amen. And I used to be more successful going to dad than I was, come on somebody, going to mom. And so I could go to one rather than the other. But that will never work. You don't hear what I'm saying in here. That will never work with the Godhead. That will never work with the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit because they're too, oh God, help me in here. I said they're too closely united. Hallelujah. You can't experience one without the other. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Ooh. You can't experience one with, not even the Jews who think that they have the Father apart from Jesus. Hallelujah. Understand the God of their own scriptures because my Bible puts it very plainly in 1 John 2 and 23 no one who denies the son has the father no one who denies the son has the father Jesus said the only way to him is through me are you hearing what I'm saying if you're, bl if you're blessed in here shout glory but watch this some churches treat God like he's a boy band. Watch me now. Like he's a boy band. You remember boy bands? You don't see too much of them today. But some of you remember what I'm talking about. Some of you are real old, old school. And you remember bands like Menudo. Yeah, you do. Yeah, you do. Some of you remember bands like New Edition. I didn't grow up in the church. I remember being young and loving New Edition. And I had my favorite, you know. Somebody said, I, I like Ronnie. Somebody else said, I like Bobby. If you were a Menudo fan, you said, I like Ricky. And watch this. You used to choose one over the other. Are you hearing what I'm saying? You cannot do that. 
with the Godhead Trinity. Oh, God, help me in here. You cannot experience one without the other. They are so closely knit together. Are you hearing what I'm saying in this place? If you're doing all right, shout glory. But you'd be surprised that you'd be surprised at the churches that do that. That treat God like someone from a boy band. Let me give you an example of what I'm talking about. Watch this. To the, to the Catholics and to the Orthodox Church, they'll say, we're a fan of the Father. To the Evangelicals, they'll say, we're a fan of the Son. And to the Charismatic and some Pentecostal circles, they'll say, we're a fan of the Holy Spirit. And what you're not understanding, hallelujah, is that you can't get one without the other. Are you hearing what I'm saying in this place? Mm, it's not three gods. You can't separate them like that. They're three persons, distinct, different functions, but still one in unity and completeness. If I was teaching it to my kid, I would use this. Can we get a close-up of this right here? This is how tight the Trinity is. Watch this. You have the Father, you have the Son, and you have the Holy Ghost. They are three, but they are one. Are you in this place? And watch this. If I wanted to be really deep, I will talk to you about how Ezekiel said he is a wheel. Within a wheel. When he moves, this is how he moves. I'm not just walking with the one. I'm walking with all three. Are you in this place, church? Oh, God, have mercy in this place. You want to teach the Trinity to your kid? There's a good way right here. Three, but the three are one. Are you in this place? And so sometimes we do this even in churches, and it sounds attractive, right? And we'll say stuff like, unite the church. But we're forgetting one thing. You can't have one without the other. I have the spirit. Yeah, but that spirit that you have is called the spirit of God. Are you hearing what I'm saying? If you're blessed, shout glory. glory. Hallelujah. Some people say silly things. I heard people say silly things like, you know, I've seen them act separate from each other. Uh, in the sense like when, when, when Jesus went to the cross, it seems like the father was reluctant. Because he turned his head. And it was almost like they weren't on the same page. Impossible. Let me just throw that out there. Just in case you ever had that kind of or, or frame of thinking. Impossible. Amen. You cannot have one without the other. They are not at odds with each other. You may be at odds with somebody. But the Holy Spirit, the Father, and the Son are never at odds with each other. Never have been, never will be. They are in perfect fellowship. If you're in this place, shout glory. Some say he had to turn his head. Jesus had to twist his arm in order to let him come down and save us. God wasn't looking and Jesus snuck out of heaven and came and saved us. And now God has to accept us because of what Jesus did. But he really just wanted to release his wrath on us. No. Are you in this place, church? Hallelujah. Can I teach you some more? Praise God. Watch this. Let me give you an example of what I mean by how closely knit together they are. 
I like Mark's gospel because when Mark introduces Jesus to us, Jesus is coming out of the waters of the baptism. He's getting ready to start his ministry. He's already adult, an adult. And when Mark introduces him to us, he's getting ready to start his ministry. So you see Jesus, right, in the waters. Watch this. What happens when he comes out of the waters? The Bible says that the dove, which is a picture of the Holy Spirit, descends on him. And if that's not enough, the Bible says the heavens open and a voice. And it is the voice of the Father. And the Father's voice says, watch this, this is my Son, in whom I am well pleased. So don't get it twisted. It, it, well pleased. There is only one plan. There's always been just one plan. Are you hearing what I'm saying? The Bible says the son was slain before the foundations of the world. We're not working this through as we go. This is the plan. There is no other plan, and we are tightly knit in this plan. And when Jesus gets ready to start his ministry, the father's there, the Holy Ghost is there, and the son is there to witness the beginning of that ministry that would lead him to the cross. And so him going down in the water, watch this, is a picture of him getting ready to die for you. You have to understand something. Let me teach you a little bit. When, when John's baptism was what kind of baptism? It was a baptism unto repentance. It was a baptism of the forgiveness of sins. So why is the sinless one getting baptized? It is a picture that illustrates him standing in the place for you. Are you hearing what I'm saying? My going down is illustrating what I'm about to do on the cross. And when I come out of the waters, illustrating what I'm about to accomplish when it's all said and done. And I resurrect. Are you hearing what I'm saying? And everybody is in agreement. There is no confusion in the Godhead. Amen, somebody. Now, I've been stressing the fact that he's one. Let me talk to you a little bit about the plural. The Plurality. Jesus, I can't even say it. Plural. Plurality of God. Amen? Watch this. He's one, but he's three. Amen? And can I just submit to you that he's not just three in the New Testament and not in the Old Testament. You see the Trinity of God from the very beginning. I said from the very beginning. It might not be as obvious as in the New Testament. See, some of you are too, too young. Somebody might know what I'm talking about. How many of you remember the Polaroid? Help me out in here, because you know now these kids got phones, they got cameras on both sides. And they just click, 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 click. Fast, too. But when I was younger, we had the Polaroid. You took the picture, and that thing said, And then you looked at it, you ain't see nothing. And you had to get a little wind in it. Anybody know what I'm talking about? You got to get a little wind in that thing, and then you look, and it got a little clearer, and then you get a little more wind in it, and then it got a little clearer until it became clear, amen? Well, watch this. The Holy Ghost, you're going to see him, the Trinity, you're going to see him in the Old Testament. Only thing, hallelujah, is that as we go from the New Testament to the Old Testament, you're going to see it become clearer and clearer and clearer until you are in a place where you can really grasp it, and you can't really grasp the whole thing until that thing is living inside of you. Are you in this place? But from the beginning, from creation, when God gets ready to create, listen to what he says. He doesn't say, let me make. Genesis 1.26, let us make. Ooh, who's us? Who's us? Some people would will, 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 uh, dare uh, say that maybe the angels helped him. Angels are not creators. They are not co-creators. It's not talking about angels. Amen. They were created by God. 
And so watch this, let us make man in our image and in our likeness. Are you in this place? Concerning the Tower of Babel, Genesis chapter 11, when the people started building a tower and they said, we're going to build a tower and we're going to make a great name for ourselves. God said, uh-uh, that ain't my will. So he said, let us go down and confuse their language. Watch this. In Isaiah chapter 6, when King Uzziah died and now God needed another mouthpiece to take over for him. Watch this. He says, who shall I send? One. And who will go for us? Three. Did you hear what I said? Who shall I send and who will go for us? One and three. Are you blessed in here? Can I take it a step further? Genesis 18. Genesis 18 and verse 1 says, And the Lord appeared unto Abraham at the entrance of his tent. Watch this now. And the Lord appeared unto Abraham at the entrance of his tent. But when Abraham looked up, he saw three men. Oh. <laughs> Are you hearing what I'm saying, church? It says that the Lord, one, appeared unto him. But when he looked up, he saw three men. And those three men conversed with him. Watch this. They're an illustration of the Trinity. And the Bible says not only did he speak with them, he walked with them. So understand, you're not just walking with one. You're walking with all three. You're walking with all three. Watch this. And then the Bible later, now this is too deep. The, the Bible goes on to say, watch this, that while they were walking, two of them left. And he stood with the one. And then when you go to chapter 19 and verse 1, the two end up in Sodom. You're going to get that in the parking lot. But are you following what I'm saying in here? If you're blessed in here, shout glory. Many times when the Bible uh, talks about, hallelujah, uh, an angel showing up, it's not always an angel as it pertains to a created being. But sometimes the word angel in the Bible simply means messenger. And so watch this. When, when a Jacob says, watch this, that I wrestled with the angel of the Lord, but then he says, watch this, I wrestled with God in the next verse, and I saw him face to face. That's what many in 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 in. A theologian circles refer to uh, as a theophany, where it's a manifestation of God himself. When the Hebrew boys are in the fiery furnace and a fourth man shows up and the king looks in the window and says, well, we, didn't we put three in there? And now there's four in there and the fourth one looks like the son of the living God. You know what that's called? A Christophany. It is a manifestation of Christ, not just an angel, but God himself. Are you in this place, church? If you're blessed, shout glory. Ooh, my. Isaiah says this, watch this. Unto us a child is born and a son is given. Unto us a child is born and a son is given. So watch this. Never make the mistake that Jesus' origin starts when he was born. Because the son is given. What does that mean? That means he's always been around. The father is giving his son. When he's born, it's just him transitioning from eternity into time. But he's always been with the Father. Watch, watch what it goes on to say in Isaiah 9 and 6. Check it when you have a chance. It says, his name, name singular, shall be called Wonderful Counselor. That's a nice one, right? Watch this. It gets more interesting. Mighty God. The son that's going to be given is going to be called Mighty God. 
everlasting father. Prince of peace. So watch this. He is the one sent from the father, but he's also addressed as God. Because me and my father are one. And if you've seen me, you've seen the father. Oh God, have mercy in this place. Hallelujah. So watch this. When you begin to study Jesus, one of the things I love about Jesus when he walks on the earth is that he walks in two natures. In a divine nature and in a human nature. And what you need to understand is that he was 100% human and he was also 100% divine. Isn't that amazing? Uh, he was not like Superman who had to, to, had, who had to put glasses on uh, and, and, and call himself Clark Kent and pretend to be human. Yeah, pretend to be human because if he got hit by a truck, the truck got hurt. He wasn't really human. He had to pretend to be human. Are you following what I'm saying? But when Jesus was flogged, it hurt for real. I said it hurt for real because he was 100% human. But he was also 100% divine. That's why when they lowered the paralytic to him, the first thing he said to him was, your sins are forgiven. And the Jewish teachers said, blasphemy. Because only God can forgive sins. And Jesus looked at them and said, You understand what I'm saying? I know, I know only God could, commit, could forgive sins. I am God in the flesh. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Verse 14, and the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld the glory of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. I am God in the flesh. In Colossians 2 and 9, the Bible says, watch this, that when Jesus came down, the God, the full Godhead dwelled in him bodily. Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Oh, if you're blessed in here, shout glory. 100% man, 100% God. The stripes hurt, but then he walks on water. He talks to a storm and sends it packing with words. You never thought that a funeral could be unsuccessful until Jesus got there. God, help me in here. Are you in this place, church? Because he was 100% man and he was 100% God. If you're with me in here, shout glory. glory. Let, me, let me give you real quick what the Trinity is not. So that you understand it further. Because I've talked to you about what it is. Let me talk to you about what it is not. Okay? You need to catch this if you're taking notes. Okay? Number one, it's not three gods. We mentioned that already. Not three deities. One deity, three persons. Father, Son, and Holy Ghost are not names. They're persons. I'm going to explain that more in a, in a minute. Amen? Hallelujah. Baptizing them in the name. Not the names. In the name, singular. Father, Son, Holy Ghost. Three in one. Are you blessed in here? Watch this. Now let me help you some more. And this might mess you up, but just stay with me. Three, not three aspects. Not three deities. Not three aspects. One, three persons. Not three aspects. Which would mean that, watch this, at one point he's the father. And then at another point he's the son. And then at another point he's the Holy Ghost. 
And some people believe like that. They call it modelism. But that's a wrong view. God, help me in here. I said that is a wrong view. That's like the only way I can make that plain is if you remember an old movie by Robin Williams called Miss Doubtfire. You remember Miss Doubtfire? Where all of a sudden, hallelujah, he dressed himself as a nanny so that he could spend more time with his children. And so at one point, he's daddy. But then at another point, he had to change real quickly and then come back and be the nanny. And every now and again, he will almost mess up and get caught. God ain't stressing out like that. Are you hearing what I'm saying? One God, three persons, not three aspects. Are you hearing this preacher? What makes him so unique and separates him from the rest is the statement that I'm going to make right now. You ready for it? Love can only exist where there is more than one person. Hmm. I said love can only exist where there is more than one person. If God is singulatary, if he's a solitary person, then he is not love. Because he can only be love if he's single, watch this, when he creates man. Because love needs an object to love. No relationship, no love. You follow what I'm saying? So if God is one in that he's just single, he, can, he, has, he, he can't even have the ability to love until he creates an object to love. But because he's triune and he has perfect fellowship within himself and the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost have always been in love. Oh God, then he is love. And he's not depending on you. And I hate to mess you up, but he's not depending on you. He was fine without you. Amen? Mm. God is love. Love has no real meaning unless God contains at least two persons. Oh, that's so deep. Because what is love about? It's something one person has for another person. And so if God is just a single person, then before the world was made, he was not love. Amen, somebody. Watch this. When we're talking about righteous and justice, which are attributes of God, righteous and justice, these are words that depend on the presence of relationship. In other words, they describe the actions of one person to another. Neither can exist outside of relationship. The Trinity has always been, so these two belong to God's eternal character. That's a mouthful, but that is good. God does not depend on us. God was never lonely. God was not lonely and then had to create you so he wouldn't be lonely no more. God was having perfect fellowship by himself and decided to invite you into that perfect community. And you ought to be glad about it. I said you ought to be glad about it. I need some real people. Do I got some real people in the house? Watch this. It is probably one of the greatest shocks to a child when they discover or are old enough to discover that their parents had a life without them. You remember that? Do you remember that? Because some of us don't remember that. We just assume that my parents' life started when I came. But let me help you in here. And I don't mean to burst your bubble, but your parents were doing really fine. 
when you were not around. I mean, and so, you know, when you, first, when, you, when you first start to experience that, you need to understand that when you really understand that, it'll take you to a greater level of security. Because now you don't have the burden of thinking that it is all about you. And that their happiness was dependent on you. And once you begin to really understand it, you begin to see, watch this, that you are not the cause of your parents' happiness, but you are the product of their happiness. And so let me just help you understand something in here. You are not the cause of God's happiness. You are the product of God's happiness. You are the product of God's perfect fellowship. Are you hearing what I'm saying in this place, church? Let me try to land this plane. Hallelujah. Oh, my God. I didn't even get to the good stuff. Watch this. It's amazing to me how when God gets ready to create, you watch God through the first few days of creation, and he's speaking everything into existence. Let there be. Let there be. Let the plants come from the ground. Amen. Uh, the trees, the animals, until he gets ready to make us. And when he gets ready to make us, it's almost as though he says, wait a minute, let me roll up my sleeves and get extra involved in this. This is why uh, until man came into the picture, he said to everything he created and God saw that it was good. But after he rolled up his sleeves and went to work on us and looked back, he said, "Woo, that's real good. Are you hearing what I'm saying? And you have to understand that when God created you, while he was making you, he was looking at himself in the mirror. Because you were created in the image and in the likeness of God. Oh, God, have mercy in this place. Not like the animals, but we are something set apart. Amen, somebody. Ooh. We are triune too. You are spirit, soul, and body created in the image of almighty God. Not just a human creature. Watch me now. I'm not just a human creature. I'm a person. I'm a person. Watch this. The terms son and mother are terms of personhood. It, it makes no sense if it doesn't reflect personhood or relationship. Oh, God, have mercy in this place. You cannot be a childless mother or a parentless son. Those terms are terms of persons which reflect relationship. In that way, you are like God. Are you in this place? Is this too deep? Oh, my God, have mercy in here. You were created for fellowship. You were created for relationship. Are you hard? Let, let me tell you, let me just, can I, can I be real? I, I like to play golf. I like to play golf. The, the worst thing that can happen to the golfer, right, is that he goes to play by himself. I've been known to do that because I got to kick. I got to work on my game. But anyway, uh, he'll go play by himself. The worst thing that can happen to the golfer is that he hits one from the tee 270 yards it lands on the green, and it rolls into the hole. And you get a hole in one. But since you're by yourself, <laughs> and there was nobody there to witness that great moment with you. It's going to be hard for people 
to believe that you hit a hole in one. Great experiences are often greater when they're shared. I said great experiences are often greater when they're shared. And dark experiences are often darker when they're not. If you're blessed in here, shout glory. The game ain't till 6 o'clock. Relax. Hallelujah. The mistake that some people make is that they try to define themselves by what they have. And not by the relationships they have. True happiness comes through relationship, not stuff. And a lot of times we sacrifice friendships, marriages, churches, watch this, on the altar of material things. And when that doesn't satisfy us, you know what we believe? We believe that we just didn't attain enough. And we keep working to try to attain, not realizing that that will never make you happy. You were created for fellowship. Let me wrap it up. So watch this. God starts getting ready to create us and he rolls up his sleeves. And he makes the man out of the dust of the ground. Amen. Watch this. Now he's not just speaking. He's getting his hands dirty. Woo. I was fearfully and wonderfully made. He's getting his hands dirty. And then he gets ready to make the woman. And he does something absolutely different. He doesn't even go back to the dirt. He takes the woman from the man. And she comes out of him. And when he sees her, he said, whoa, whoa, man. I didn't, I didn't get that. All right. Lewis nodding his head like, that's my pastor. Watch this. He said, whoa, man. Now he said, look, watch this. What he said, really. <laughs> flesh of my flesh. Bone of my bone. Watch this. She's like me. But she's different. So I'm man. She can't be man. So she's womb man because she came from the womb of man. Are you hearing what I'm saying in here? So watch this. There's likeness, but there's difference. And that's how, watch this, for this cause, a man leaves his mother and father and cleaves to his wife. And the two become one flesh. You can only become one flesh, watch this, when there's likeness and difference. Because if there's likeness and difference, you reflect the Trinity, which has likeness and difference. Three distinct persons, still one God. Likeness and difference. Are you in this place? Are you with me in here? And so watch this, what makes... The marriage oneness unique is the fact that there's likeness. She's like me, but she's different. And so that way we can be one. Are you in this place? Can I, can I show you something before we close? That's really powerful. Watch this. Watch this. Get ready to put Malachi 2.15 on the screen because I'm going to close with that scripture. But before that, let me just quote this one to you. Matthew 19 and 4. The religious people come and ask Jesus a question in the New Testament and he refers to the beginning. And this is what he says in Matthew 19 and 4. Have you not read that in the beginning God made them male and female? Likeness but different. Watch this. And this is not just a picture 
or an illustration that he's using. This is like, this is like the ball player that goes to the referee because he wants him to make the right call. And the Old Testament is the instant replay. And whatever it says, settles it. So this is why Jesus said, did you not read in the Old Testament, in the beginning, when God made them, he made them male and female on purpose. He made them, watch this, likeness and difference so they could be unique like me. And only in that, only in that parentheses can they be one flesh because I have a purpose for one flesh and my purpose for one flesh is found in Malachi chapter 2 and verse 15 we like reading Malachi 1 because it talks about money Malachi 3 because it talks about money but Malachi 2 talks about marriage can I show it to you watch this and I like it in the NIV I'm just going to try to deal with the King James here and did not he make one yet had he the residue of the spirit and wherefore one that he might seek a godly seed therefore take heed to your spirit and let none deal treacherously against thy, the wife of thy youth here's what he's saying in a nutshell watch this did I not make them one and here's the reason why I made them one so that I can secure godly seed on the earth the only purpose for becoming one in marriage is so that God can secure godly seed. Watch this. Difference, but unity. Oh God, help me in here. Likeness, but different. That's how you become one. Watch this. Not sameness. Oh, I'm treading now. I said, not sameness. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Because sameness cannot produce godly seed. You see, you see, you see, oneness can only be between a man and a woman because the deep, the deep unity between the two is so profound that it can produce light. It can produce life. But sameness can satisfy, hallelujah, sexually, but cannot become one. Because the purpose of becoming one is godly seed. Are you hearing what, oh my God, have mercy in this place. Are you hearing this preacher? So watch this, marriage is predicated on our being male and female. And Jesus' logic is clear. Humanity has been made into two genders, and that is why we have the phenomenon of marriage. If the genders are different, no marriage. I mean, if the genders are not different, I'm sorry, no marriage. As long as they're different, marriage. Amen? Oh, God, have mercy in here. Hallelujah. Are you blessed in here, church? My God. How many of you remember a movie, and I'll, I'll close with this, you remember a movie called Vanilla Sky with Tom Cruise and Cameron Diaz. Tom Cruise, I want to say something else in here. Tom Cruise has a one-night stand with Cameron Diaz. She's playing the picture, the role of a, a, a particular person. Watch this. She has a one-night stand with Tom Cruise, and it sends her on a tailspin. Watch this. When she finally catches up with him, she says something really profound. 
Very profound. This is what she says. Watch this. When she catches up to him, she said, and I quote something profound. Don't you know that when you sleep with someone, your body makes a promise whether you do or not? When you sleep with someone, your body makes a promise whether you do or not. What, what does that mean? Let me give you the Bible. What that means is that sex is for marriage. I got like two amens. Sex is for marriage and only for marriage. Amen. That's not going to get a lot of likes on Facebook, but that's all right. I ain't preaching for likes. The Bible says you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. Hallelujah. It's not just truth that makes you free. It's the truth you know that makes you free. Hallelujah. And so I close. I wanted to talk about the church. And I wanted to tell you how the church is one body. One body. Not bodies, but one body. I used an illustration earlier today, and I said, when a person's coming at you, watch this, even though there's many parts of the bodies, when somebody's walking toward you, you don't say, oh, wow, there goes 242 bones, sinews, joints. No, you say, there goes Joseph. You understand? Coming to me. One. Are you following what I'm saying? The body of Christ is supposed to be one. Hear me. Hear me good. One body, and Jesus is the head. The body on the earth, the church, is the literal body of Jesus Christ. I preached about this because it's communion, communion Sunday. I ain't lost. Listen, we are the body of Christ. And can I, listen, we're supposed to be, watch this. There's supposed to be likeness and difference. Unity and diversity. Not, not unity and sameness. That's a cult. Get out of there. Oh, you didn't hear me. Unity and difference reflects God's oneness. Are you hearing what I'm saying? So watch this. The body's supposed to be so carefully knit together that what you do to your neighbor, you're actually doing to Jesus. What you do to your neighbor, you do to Jesus. Watch this. When did we do that for you? When you did it to the least of these. You did it unto me. When he interrupts Paul, Saul who became Paul on the way to Damascus, what did God say to him? Jesus said, watch this. Paul, why dost thou persecute me? You know what Paul is doing? He's killing Christians. But Jesus said, what you're doing to them, you're doing to me. That's my body you messing with. And if you're messing with the body, you are messing with me. And that's why I'm coming to you, Paul. Do you receive the word on today? Come on, give the Lord a good hand clap in here.